Good morning, listeners. <laughs> Is it the morning? This will be published yeah, in the morning. We'll probably go live in the morning. So. Oh, good evening. You're, you're very considerate of the audience. You know, you're not thinking about how it's evening for us. You're thinking about their I'm mornings. just thinking ahead. Yeah. Yeah. And we've got Tanea, who is our guest for today, but is also only kind of a guest because you're now Rhubarb staff. So. Hello. Hooray. Hooray for um, me. Yeah, you're helping out Dylan at the cafe now. But mm-hmm. um, more interestingly, uh, you're a musician in your own right. And obviously people would know who you are. Um, would they? How many? Yeah. How oh, many of them? They listen to the Rhubarb Records podcast. They're probably at least they listen a little to bit the aware Rhubarb of... Records Jam Batch. Yeah, they, like they would, they would know who you are. You were on Batch Two. Um, I think Bell's Rappers was on Batch Two, and I was on Batch Three. Mm. Right. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So. Bell's yeah. Rappers being a previous band of mine. Yeah. So you've played in a quite a few. Hey. Um, Bell's Rappers was my first band, mm. and then after that, I kept solo and then after that I joined Ghost Care which is a band I play bass in yep and then after that I joined Peppermint Showers which is a band I play keys in so all up I've officially been in four different bands I would yeah. say nice yeah. currently active in currently three. active in three of them yeah yeah and uh so Dylan mentioned something before that you've got something coming up yes personally my solo stuff under my name, Tanea Harper. I've got um, a single coming out in like a month. Cool. Which is exciting. I'm just dealing with artwork now that hopefully I'll have finished this week. Yeah. Before we start, um, you know, sending it around the place. What do you like about artwork? Like what, what, what... That's what such artwork? a broad okay, you question. Know, yeah, that is, that's why I kind of What, your drawings of French like, girls? That was, that was very, <laughs> yeah. It was a very vague question. <laughs> maybe maybe I'll start off here. Like, what's some of the like your favorite album artwork? Do you like minimalism, or do you like when there's a lot going on? Or do um, you I don't usually like portraits. I don't usually like seeing the artist. Yeah, I really like um. You like a little bit of mystique. Yeah, about it, and not necessarily concept either. Like monsters, monsters Inc. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Good <laughs> no, movie. Gorillas, gorillas often have like that concept artwork, and I never really bought into concepts like. You've got the Libertines and the whole like Albion and, you know, they've got their whole idea and you've got like just all these different bands who have these like worlds within their music and I don't really like that. I actually just really like basic minimal artwork like the album or the EP that I'm currently dealing with actually kind of looks like Loveless. So there's this bit of me that's like maybe I shouldn't and then it doesn't exactly look like Loveless, um, my Bloody Valentine album, Mm -hmm. so... I'll probably be all right. But that's very simple, you know. It's more of like, like a, a color scape. Yeah, it's a texture and a color rather yeah. than like actual shapes and actual like obvious meaning and yeah. statement. Like yeah. I feel like statements are so wishy-washy because like we grow and change in time. So something yeah. that you're saying now probably you won't really relate to anymore in a while. So why like make that such a black and white bit of you and like yeah. something that like defines you for so long? But maybe I've just got commitment issues. <laughs> yeah, or like you could look at it as I, I, I do agree. I'm the same. It's but another way I've recently thought about it is that like the album is a capturing of that moment in the timeline yeah. of that artist, yeah. and not necessarily indicative of who they are. You know, say if it was an album released 30 years ago, who they are yeah. now. You know, might be. But you know, I do like photos. I really like. I've always yeah. liked PJ Harvey's mm. ability to just like. It seems like it's a photo that she didn't intend to take. Yeah. Um, it's just kind of, it happened. And then it was like, oh, what should we use for the album cover? And it's like, hey, I like that, that picture of you hanging outside of the car door. Yeah, yeah. let's just do that. Have you seen that Kurt Vile album cover where it's it's him passed out yeah, drunk? Yeah, hilarious. And Is that like Smoke Ring? <coughs> no. I, don't, I, don't, I can't remember the album title, but it's basically he's, he's sitting there and he was at a party and there was a camera going around and all his mates like, posed with him on the couch yeah. that he was passed out on and his manager said that's going to be your album cover that's great yeah so yeah what's I some of your favorite album covers dylan uh, i don't even know what really is a favorite album cover um yeah you oh i'm saying speak um, louder yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um i don't really know it's it's a weird question to sort of what stands out? I mean, I like I don't. I also like photos because you're kind of looking at them. It's like gives you a little insight into the personality behind mm. the the artist. Yeah, uh, I like uh, inserts as well. 
Yeah. You know, with, with even more photos than just the actual cover. Yeah. Um, you mean like if a band puts pictures of themselves? Yeah, yeah, I really like that. Like a bit of a backstory. Maybe it was just when they were recording like a or type gigs. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the. Um, yeah, I cool. think that's a cool little touch. It just gives you a bit more entertainment and value out of out of the album. Makes you feel closer. Yeah. Um, something that stands out for some reason is um, standing on the beach of singles with that old man on the cover by the yeah. Cure. I don't know if you if you know it, but yeah, it's I've never just like he's just cure, got such a like a face full of character. It's just yeah. like a really interesting image. I've yeah. always I've always liked that cover of Blur's self titled one, the one that's got Beetle Bum on it, and it's like. It's like an ER or something. Someone's putting oh, a yeah, gurney yeah. through and then it's blurred. Yeah. <laughs> it's like really... Did that lo- just click? It's like, <laughs> lo- it's like long exposure. Yeah. So it's just kind of like you get the gist that maybe something really urgent is happening. I don't know. It's, it's just got a lot of mood about it. It's got a lot of mood about it. Yeah. Again, I, a photo. I bought a, um, a copy of Floating Points Alania mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago. And it's a very simple cover. It's just white and blue. Uh, with like a black sketching kind of thing. It almost looks like an oscillos- like a screenshot of an oscilloscope, but just black. But on the inside where you pull the record out, the inside of the actual record sleeve, there's a photo in there. And so you can't you can't completely look at it because it's glued shut. But when you where you pull the record out, if you hold it in light, you can kind of look inside and it. it's That's a photo cheeky. of his setup. Oh cool. Um, of his like modular synths and all that, which is really cool. Um but I like the idea of that, like having this little image that they want you to see, but they're making it a little bit difficult for Teasing you. Teasing you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we can pause it here if you want. <laughs> I don't know where I was going next. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a really good idea. Right. Actually, yeah. I've been dealing with like what I am going to do with um, vinyl artwork. Yeah. And that kind of stuff. And everybody's different. Like a lot of vinyl artworks are just like, maybe it was like a money thing or a just a choice thing but so many vinyls are like super bare it's like just the vinyl and the white piece of paper and it comes out of the yeah. pocket and then but i really want to have like lyrics in there yeah. so i'm gonna hand write them and then i don't know like fold it up or some something like that just to have it in there because i think that like that's a really integral part of the music in itself yeah but some people maybe less so i don't mm. know yeah well like music obviously serves many purposes i mean a theory um, called uses and gratifications theory. And it's basically like five dot points. It obviously is a bit more complex, but can be summarized in terms of why we consume the media that we do. Um, a few of them, this is going back to my uni days, so um, really scratch my brain here, but <laughs> one of them is simple entertainment to be informed, uh, to uh, connect with those around you. So social enhancement, I think mm-hmm. is the title for it. Um Narcissistic. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, there's a few others, but the, the the main ones are obviously to be informed, simple entertainment, and to connect with the with the with the media. Oh, that's another one. Sorry, to connect with the character. Sorry, and then there's the other one is connect with um, those around you. So social enhancement. The character within the say the song, like yeah. The so I like the music that you create is obviously more in line with that point where it's you know the lyrics serve as a way for you know the audience to connect with you yeah uh, would you agree with that i guess so i mean i, d- I don't There's really i don't like really think about the audience every, to be everything. honest <laughs> it's, it's not like hmm, i yeah, wonder well, what they'll good. be thinking while i sing this line you know like because then you'll just you'll end up like Psych imploding yeah, yeah and you won't write a song at all yeah so uh, it's just a really interesting thing yeah simply for that but there, there's so much music that has like Floating points, for example, there's no lyrics in there. So connecting with the character is hard. Is is hard. There is an element of it there, mm-hmm. and and it, an element of expression there. But synthesizer music and all that has, when I've looked through it with that scope of uses and gratifications theory, for me, I've consumed it a lot to be informed because I feel like I kind of each time I listen to a new artist or listen to an album again. I develop a greater understanding of music formation and such. And it's it's not so much w- why the media is created, but it's why the person's listening to it. Yeah. So it's out of your hands, basically. Well, out of the artist's hand, it's the intent of the audience. And you can obviously create 
you know, media. I reckon music just makes me feel good. That's like it. <laughs> That's yeah. it for me. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, it's it's kind of, I guess that theory is just segmenting down why why it is that you feel good, so... Yeah, it's yeah. like if you're, yeah, I mean, especially if you're doing something that's um, mundane, it really fills that gap and just keeps your your spirits sort of higher. And then if you're out and you're listening to music, it even raises your sort of, you know, s- mental state and yeah. emotional state higher as well. So as long as you like the music, obviously, like it's nothing worse than some, for some reason, you know. Something you some, hate. Yeah, what? like that really just grates on you when you're hearing the. Yeah, yeah. You know. What's an album that's really come at the right time in your life and grabbed you uh, or pulled you away from, you know, something going down the wrong path or something like that, you know, mm. ha- ha- if that has ever happened to you. Because there's an album in my head, but I want to hear what you guys say first. I actually really love um, Pete Doherty's sol- solo album. Okay. I can't remember what it was called. but Self-titled? I'd like to think it's not because he's got such a way with words, but it could be. Oh, English Rose maybe, I don't know. Um, but the last English Rose. But um, I was in San Francisco. Yep. Um, didn't even know why I was there. I just knew I didn't like LA. So I was in San Fran. Why were you in the US? Uh, because my dad's friend was working on a film and she offered for me to be um, like an assistant director of this like indie film. And oh, I got cool. there and I like hated LA. I didn't like much of the film oh, so wasn't, like wasn't I just too cool like, in the I end just, <laughs> i was like this isn't for me so then someone was like oh you might like san francisco so i was like okay so i get there and then that day i meet this boy and i just had like the best month and i um because he really liked baby shambles and i knew them like a little bit i went and bought this pete doherty album doherty 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 um <laughs> i think it's doherty yeah um, <laughs> Darkity. <laughs> How many times can I say it? I'm going to sample um, it and remix it. And I would like, music. because back then I was unmedicated, I was like hugely manic while I was there. And I would just like, on the days that I wasn't going out and having fun, I would like be in the hotel room and just like play this album and return to Cookie Mountain, the um, TV on the radio album, back to back. And I just play them constantly. And like this Pete Doherty one, like, Blew my mind a little bit. It was really beautiful. Yeah. Um, the final song, I think, called um, Lady Don't Fall Backwards is mm. really beautiful. What about you? I don't know. I, uh, something will probably pop into my head in a few minutes' time and I'll just interrupt whatever we're talking about and say, but wait, I've got one, but yeah, I can't yeah. think of anything We can, right we can re- rewind. Yeah. Well, for me, for me, this will sound super kind of... It'll sound funny, but for me, I was going through a really rough time and a lot of self-inflicted mental kind of, you know, bullshit. But, uh, and it was stretched out for such a long time, but King Gizzard's Not A Gone Infinity came out and it was just such an exciting album that I was, you know, at the time feeling pretty low. Yeah. But it was such like an upbeat album that I, it, I'd put it on and it just made me overjoyed. Yeah, yeah, And it was yeah. very like, made my day very polarising in a way, but... Yeah, and because it's, you know, the the gimmick of the album is that it loops and you can mm. put it on loop. I just put it on the car and I just leave it and it would kind of Keep give me going. that, you know, that that high intensity kind of, you know, thrill and yeah. kind of kept me going. And so I have a very, like, sentimental attachment to that album, even though it's, you know, probably the least sentimental album, yeah, you know, right. that I've gotten, you know, compared to, say, Lonerism or, um, you know, I can't think of anything else at the top of my head, but... You know, something. It's it's not very. It's not a very introspective album. It's just just. It's rock just out like with the reptile, you know. It's just that like <coughs> operator in you. Yeah, exactly. Have you heard of a band called Mutual Benefit? No. There's a beautiful album, and that got me out of a real deep hole. Yeah. It's so beautiful. Yeah. Mutual Benefit and the Kindred Spirits, maybe I think was like the offshoot. Yeah. Yeah, it's just it's weird, isn't it? Like. Yeah. It just you hear it and you're just like, this is me now. Yeah. Good. Dylan, cool. anything coming to you? Uh, there was uh, that actually we, you bought. What that about what you said today? Yeah, Elliot Smith XO. I yeah. remember when I first heard that, I just happened to be going through like a a breakup, and like that album was just just I don't know the perfect music for it. So mm. yeah, I just listened to it a lot. Um, and um, what else? 
Every week I buy vinyl and today I got EXO. Nice. Yeah, but that, yeah that was definitely something day, I connected with. Yeah. I, put, I put an hour of From my the work company, back into the record back store. Into it. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting what taxed else? on that. You should, you should make it a, like a, uh, you know, what do they call it when it's like a company pays for your car? Tax. For a musician, it's inspiration tax. But like, you know, you know how like companies, people who work for big companies, like say Rio Tinto and stuff, mm-hmm. they'll get like a salary sacrifice. There you go. Salary sacrifice. That was the term. You know, Ooh. they'll get a car. The company will pay for the car Ooh. and it avoids. Well, I don't know because I've never had a high paying job like that. I've got yeah. No but idea. what I'm saying is that yeah. you could get a salary sacrifice for records. Ooh. But would, but would that fall on the shoulders of rhubarb? Because if so, then no. Well, no, because then they don't have to pay the tax of, uh, um, of that paying you of the tr- of the transfer. Yeah, mm, interesting. It'd just be part of your salary. Well, Dylan, something to Dylan. think about. Yep. <laughs> Put it in your Excel well, vinyl, spreadsheet. Vinyls are like a, a re- an investment for your retirement anyway. Like, yeah, exactly. Think about like especially King Gizzard so- ones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. The other a- album which at this around the same time sort of struck me was um, Sea Change by Beck. Yeah, that's yeah. like a really moving like you know um, yeah really beautiful album yeah yeah we had that on in the shop last week yeah it just changes the whole atmosphere yeah i just love it when music can do that that's the most important music in my opinion like not hard fast stuff but like stuff like that album that sits in that plane is so that's the mutual benefit sound it sits in that plane of just like it's like this I don't know. It's different for everyone, but me personally, that sound is like very special. Are you telling me you don't sit down to Metallica's Ride the Lightning and have a think about your life and really <laughs> contemplate? I hate that kind of music. I hate <laughs> ACDC. Oh, I hate man. Kiss. ACDC, I, I was so obsessed with as a I kid. I, however, do like Slipknot. <laughs> Excellent. I think we've talked about Slipknot before. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If you can put aside the the angsty lyrics, the production value, the musician. It's amazing. Of it's really good. Crazy good. And Corey Taylor doesn't scream that much. So it's actually very no, pleasant for anyone who would turn off if, it, if, if they were screaming. Yeah. It, it bounces. The needle bounces from one end of the dial of clean vocals to, you know, um, scree- he screaming. still has like melody and pitch when he's like, like yeah. wait, and, wait and bleed or is it duality? Yeah. Wait and bleed. A lot of them, the yeah. chorus, he's just like yelling. Yeah. Oh, in the verses, and but at the same, it's it's not wholly unenjoyable. You know, you're like, mm. oh, this is fun. First time I, I growing up, I had friends who were into Slipknot, and I never got into it. But then I saw them at Soundwave, mm-hmm. and it rocked my world. I was not even <laughs> intending to watch them. I was yeah. just walking past, and I ended up staying for that whole set, and it just. Next thing you were sitting on someone's shoulders with your shirt off. Yeah. I saw them um, when they came to Perth and played in one of the smaller kind of like warehouses at the Royal Show, like maybe 10 years ago or more. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember hearing about people going to that show and saying that there was people climbing. Yeah, yeah, it was insane. So I went alone because I used to go alone to everything and I was like this tiny little like 17-year-old or something (laughs) going to that. And um, I go there and like the scaffolding was being scaled by people who look like crazy monkeys and then like um i got pulled out at one point because i was on the barrier but because i was so small like everyone was just crushing me to the point of oblivion like i had to get out so as they pull me out and i like kind of leave the side stage area to go back in through the back i see all these people sitting side of stage with like holes in their face from their piercings that had been just like totally pulled out (laughs) that was when it dawned on me i was like oh wow marilyn manson's was super tame this gig is fucked like this is crazy I remember I, years ago I had a job at EB Games and yeah. I ended up just before I left, they can't, they brought this assistant manager in to replace me on my way out. Um, and I forget her name, but she used to be an Ambo kind of attendant. Yeah. I don't know if she was a paramedic or anything or a, yeah. you know, I don't know where on the scale she was, but she was telling me uh, and my mate who was into Slipknot as well, that she used to do all the, the attend all the gigs in that yep. capacity as an yep. ambo. That wouldn't have been a very first. smooth volunteer shift. Oh, and she she prided herself on the fact that she pulled Slipknot aside and told them like people are hurting themselves and you know she she thought she had like a really big impact. They're like, on them. we and, know. Yeah, and they're like, <laughs> yeah. This, this is happens not our every first night rodeo. of our life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I remember her telling me that story. And she Good was, on and her. And I though. told them, yeah, and 
you know, an as she should, because like it's yeah. her job to, you know, people shouldn't be getting hurt. I mean, yeah. they're not telling people to like. This was 10 years ago, though, as well. I wonder if it would out, happen yeah. now. Yeah, I think Slipknot's fans are getting old. Probably not as much. Hey, <laughs> no, but my friend pulled up today outside my house. I opened the door and I'm like, what's this playing? And they were like, and I look and I go, oh, it's Triple J. And they were like, yeah, it's the new Slipknot song. I was Dude, like, what? The new Slipknot is really fucking good. Yeah. It's really good. I love I that love this it. has turned into a Slipknot fest. Yeah. I yeah. Think I've been hearing a lot of people talking about Slipknot. And I didn't realize they're I had really a new album good. Out, so. Yeah. My mate, Will, he he's uh, the. RTR music uh, director. <laughs> just Will Backler. Will Backler. Just no one that important to every musician in Perth. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, he, him and I always like have a bit of a laugh about Slipknot and I'm trying to convince him at the moment that the new one is No, uh, really I just good. don't think that that's an easy feat to try and get him to spin into a Slipknot fan. Yeah, he loves his heavy metal, but... Really? Yeah, he started off as a heavy metal um, guy. Ooh. Yeah, because like, I, I, I said the same thing to him once and he's like, Bro, do you even know me? He's like, I start <laughs> off as a heavy metal guy, and it makes a lot of sense. Like, you know, a lot of people who get into heavy metal when they're a teenager and they're just obsessed over heavy when metal, I look like at I Will. did. Yeah, and you end up graduating onto other <laughs> genres as he's done and yeah, yeah. has completed the collection, and thus he yeah, is yeah. the RTR music programmer. When I look at Will, Will all I hear is washed out. I just hear like Paracosm so or something just really, really beautiful. Why, why when is I that? look at Will, I don't know. He just like. Has this beautiful energy that he <laughs> He's a funny bloke. But he would Will. totally laugh at that. I yeah, think. he would. He would I'll, I'll link him this. <laughs> you know podcast that sounds like. Uh, yeah, that classic washed out uh, kind yeah, of aesthetic. Yeah. <laughs> that song. Dylan, Dylan <laughs> looks like he has no idea who <laughs> washed out is. <laughs> I don't know it. You, oh, so it's a beautiful. It's great. The, you should get. Have you ever have you ever watched Portlandia? Yeah, yeah. The, th- the theme, theme music song. is oh, washed okay. out. Yeah. But you would know Paracosm. It would have played once somewhere and you would have been like, oh, this sounds old. Like it might be Moby. And then you're like, wait a minute. It's not as old as Moby. <laughs> it's more recent. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Have, you ever, have you ever, so are you a Moby fan? My mum played um, a lot of that era music, like just the pop of the 90s in the house. Yeah. Which is why I think I just like songwriting because I was surrounded by pop and it was good pop because it was the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> so biased. Um, but, yeah, so Moby played in the house like a lot. I remember that. I'm going to find you, baby. Woo! <laughs> song, I just remember that so vividly all the time playing mm. in the house. Oh, Liam has rocked up for the next episode. Yeehaw. Me. Little in industry inside of secret is that we actually re- did record you listen these to Moby? Fortnightly. Were you living yeah, in England Mo- when Moby was a no, big thing? I was thing? living in because oh, Moby's English, was, right? That was end of nineties and start of two thousands. Uh, Play came out. That album yeah. was massive. It was like I think it was even a double CD, and it was just one massive hit after another. It was such a like a really successful album. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've got it on vinyl now, and yeah, it's it's really good. He sampled a lot of stuff that was outside of copyright i think right so it's got all that real cool vintage sound yeah to it. yeah yeah um, like like mark ronson yeah except it was the 90s what so i'm pretty uh, sure because i saw a ted talk the other day and mark ronson showed the audience how to sample oh and yeah he uh, is that really he's got the mpc on stage i and think so yeah, yeah and he took a really old sample yeah and showed them and that was pretty cool yeah an MPC, like the MPC is an instrument unto itself. Yeah. Like it's a very unique bit of gear. Very iconic as well. What's some of the music you grew up listening to? Now I'm talking like your kind of formative years when you first started paying attention to music. So uh, maybe when you were I like sp- eight or nine or ten or what were those As soon as I was s- starting to sit up late and watch Rage was when I first started paying attention to music. Like, yeah. You know, outside. Oh, obviously we had Triple J, which was good back then. Yep. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, and then I think just sitting up watching Rage until early hours of the morning. Just was watching the opposite. One more I woke song, up early song. and watched it, but you I stayed did, up late. Yeah, I was. I'm an owl. Oh. I wouldn't get up in the morning to watch that. Although we used to get up and watch Recovery. That was a good show. Yeah. I don't know if you ever saw. No, I only watched. I only watched Sailor Moon at those hours. Ah, uh, yeah, <laughs> Cheese TV. <laughs> yeah, I remember Cheese TV. Yeah. Um, yeah, just typical like grunge alternative stuff, and I liked a lot of sort of, um, you know, the punk and sort of new wave and sort of 80s alternative stuff as well which yeah. was only which i was actually like a kid when that was around but it seemed like so long long, long ago 
yeah. even like in the early 90s. So you, you, I was kind of like discovering what was coming out new and then I had this nice little back catalogue to explore that was, that was cool. So, yeah. What about you, Matt? I, talk, I touched on it on the last episode we did with Zach Duggan a bit. Um, for me, uh, when I first started paying attention to music was when, when mum would put music on and I'd be, you know, probably in the lounge with Lego on the carpet and, yeah. you know, building stuff. And there was a lot of like... Michael Jackson, Fleetwood Mac. Um, yeah, a lot of that kind of era of sound. Um, my dad used to play a lot of Midnight Oil. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of Midnight like Oil Like every Australian mm. child. Yeah. One of our formative bands. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, as I was a teenager and really getting into music, I resisted Midnight Oil. And then as I kind of got over my teen angst, I was like, Oh shit, Dad was right. They, they Dad are was right. they are good. <laughs> yeah. Um, if only we'd listened to Peter Garrett in the eighties, we wouldn't have all these problems we got right now. Yeah. With like, you know, <laughs> he had the right idea a long time ago. Yeah. As far as like, you know, I really like Ten to One. That's a really um good album. I don't know why, but um I forget the track name. I think it's like the second track or something. It always makes me think of Crash Bandicoot. Because when <laughs> I used to be massive into Crash Bandicoot when I was a kid, and then I, dad would play that song and it would kind of sound like the soundtrack to Crash Bandicoot. And so now whenever that album plays, as soon as that song kicks in, it's got a very like jungle kind of beat to it. Mm. I always just think of Crash Bandicoot and it's stuck in my head for the whole four minutes or so of the, the track going on. So, yeah. I can't say I know the song um, from memory, but if I heard it, yeah. I think I'd know it. Uh, oh, Power and the Passion. Sorry. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Just when you, when I think of Midnight, I think of like this Sky show. Like, yeah. you know, they always put oh. like heaps of midnight oil every time it's just, there's a Sky sh- show on. So it's very That's like... That's so true. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The Australia Day. <laughs> yeah, Australia yeah. Day, yeah. Do you reckon the Australia Day Skyworks show has declined in popularity since, you know, radio's declined in popularity a bit? Because I remember like a big part of their campaigning would be that mix 94.5 because it's what like the mix the of the songs well no they, they would like yeah. hype it up for like a month they'd be like 28 days to the australia lottery west sky show australia day are you the thing. guy who does the ads that, that's that's, that's me. the voice <laughs> that's me he's, a, he's an understudy yeah i used to work at jb hi-fi and we'd kind of like try and outdo each other with our radio voices on, when, on days when where we're bored on the, in, like on the, the PA. Yeah, yeah and we try and just like you know, outdo each other. I so can't. I can't really talk there. about the popularity of the Skyworks because I haven't been for like yeah. ten years. Exactly my point. So yeah, but it's not to do with the fireworks or the abhorrent mix of music, but um, more just the crowds. Like I just remember it being so hectic one year that I yeah. stopped going. I remember so, seeing photos of like people contrary. just off chops and you know urinating on police cars and yeah, because you know, like if you're like a if you're a, you know, young something who wants to get messed up, you're not thinking about the kids that are going to this big event in the city. Yeah. There's no boundaries. There was a time period where it was very, very not family friendly. Yeah, totally. And it was just another reason to get messed up. I think up. that's why the parents always wanted the, the fireworks to start earlier because, like, the kids were staying up to, like, 9 or 10 and by that point, like, it's adult world, yeah. you know. <laughs> but if they happen, like, at sunset. Yeah. Then the kids can go home. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that was fake. Maybe I made that up. Well, they do they do that on uh, New Year's Day on New Year's Eve. Sorry, because uh, last or well, New Year's just been, I was looking at the fireworks like roster because you can go on a there's a government site where you can go on and it's got a list of every scheduled firework event uh, in WA. Oh wow! Um, you know because they That's have to put handy. up this yeah safety reasons and all that. It's, you know, yeah. But you can use it as a list to identify if you're you know, a bit of a fireworks fan. You can go find some fireworks. But yeah. I had a look because uh, my girlfriend lives qu- quite close to the beach and we wanted to suss out if there was going to be one there. And we're looking and there was heaps of them that at 8 p.m. And they're all like near um, kind of like family kind of orientated yeah. areas. So, yeah, th- I think they do that. And then the parents yeah. just go, oh, it's midnight. <laughs> and then, you know, they and then there's another, another round. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, there was a bit of a pause there because uh, Dylan was kind enough to offer Liam a beer. Uh, hello, Liam. We finally meet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you want to sit in for a bit, Liam? You want to join me? We can share this mic. Yeah, by the way, how come you get the mic stand? I just uh, because like, I've got to operate the equipment. He's got many important oh, okay. things to do with his hands. All right. 
you run this podcast and you get the tripod, <laughs> Dylan. If you set it up, you can get all the good stuff. I'm going to unplug my mic for a sec. We can just take a little pause here. That's fine. So, Liam, yeah. I want to know what your formative years of music listening were when you're playing Lego on the, the carpet <laughs> and in the lounge room and your mum's, you know, become. put music on you know, for the day. What yeah. Hold on, what's like the age difference? 13 years. 13, 13, 13 years, 13. wow. Okay, beautiful. So pretty decent. Pretty decent, yeah. Um, yeah, so... I mean, our mum's pretty definitely um, got a lot to do with Dylan and I's enjoyment of music. Um, she was really like into like a lot of Motown, so like Otis Redding and oh, cool. Aretha Franklin, um, all that sort of stuff. Um, and also like The Cure. I remember The Cure being like a massive part of, there's always The Cure playing. Um, <laughs> bands like The Rolling Stones, she's massively into that, David Bowie. So all of that uh, like British Invasion stuff. <laughs> I was pretty much introduced to by her. And then um, I suppose when I was old enough to kind of start discovering music for myself, it was kind of like what Dylan was saying. I was taping Rage. So I had to go to bed early so because I was young. Yeah, <laughs> Chuck, Chuck taking uh, taping the VCR and see record, go to bed, and then wake up in the morning and see what I captured. So, oh, wow. um, so I discovered like Pavement and Built to Spill and... Um, Tons of 90s old bands and stuff that I still love to this day. So, This could have been the death of Bunny Munro, but I swear the only thing I remember from Rage is spinning around Kylie Minogue and her little shorts. I swear that's all I remember yeah, I from Rage. Remember those. <laughs> and maybe... Um, I think we touched and maybe on that uh, in the last podcast. <laughs> and really. Maybe Wannabe, Spice Girls, and maybe Just a Girl. No doubt, but that's about it. I remember uh, when I was a little kid and first getting into the radio, Spice Girls with a pop hit. And, you Hell know, yeah. When, and, and, you know, I got into Spice Girls when I was like four or five years yeah. old on the radio, you know, because it's this catchy tunes. It's Which one were exploit- you? Exploitative of, uh, of, you know, your neural pathways. Yeah. You know, they just, you know, hook and right in and give us your money. Um, I d- no, I didn't, get in, get in, I didn't get into Spice Culture. I yes. just was about the music, man. I was Baby Spice. And I remember the most <laughs> embarrassing moment I had as a child yeah. was when I was dancing to it in my in my room to the radio on next to my bed and uh, dad walked in and I'm singing <gasps> whatever Spice Girls song and dad was like, what the stop. hell is going on here? Stop right now. <laughs> 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 I'm pretty sure that was the song. I just remember being Spice Girls. Stop and he's right like, now. Thank you very much. Yeah. And he was like, mate, if you like Spice Girls, that's all right. And, uh, <laughs> and I was like, no. <laughs> that's when you had the Spice Girls conversation with him. Yeah. That's it. Um, that's funny. But yeah. They yeah were Spice Girls, uh, that's another force. one for the list. Yeah. Yeah, they were in the UK and I think the tour Depends is how you want to look at it. Are they touring live or are they... Uh, no, live. Just yeah. Pl- uh, yeah, yeah, how you want to look at it. Wow. They're there, but are they? Oh, are you trying to suggest they're holograms or...? No, they are... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, two-pack, like, yeah, style... Are we inside a snow globe? Pretty sure they got they got uh, done for lip-syncing. Oh, that well, wouldn't I mean, surprise yeah, me, but, um, I mean... Yeah. So, is it live then? They're there. Oh. They might as well sit in the crowd and just watch as well. Yeah, well, I mean, I'd probably enjoy. It. I don't think anyone w- ever listened to the spon- the Spice Girls because of their vo- their like no, live their vocals. No, their voices are banging. It, no, yeah, they're banging on the albums. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, studio recording. Sporty I'm Spice sure is definitely exactly. Yeah, they can just like ninja voice. it and chop yeah. and change and pick the best yeah. word. <laughs> but um, <laughs> no, I read something. Something popped up in my on my uh, Facebook feed about uh, people may- perhaps petitioning to get them to play it off the stadium. Yeah, of course. Which they would sell would that shit out so quickly. Mm. Oh, if they can get Metallica and Slipknot at Optus Stadium, I think they can get the Spice Girls. There's yeah, a, absolutely. There's as many thrash metal heads there are in Perth, there would be as many I'm people who would surprised. go for nostalgia. I'm still surprised that Billie Eilish played the Fremantle Arts Centre and not Optus Stadium because that sold out six months before she played. She played about a month or two ago here at Fremantle Arts Centre. That gig sold out about six months before the gig. Had she have played Optus... She still would have sold out, but it just would have taken maybe like a month longer. All right, let's let's play right some, let's play some copyright yeah. infringement and uh, still pitchforks uh, segment overrated underrated. Yeah, Billie Eilish overrated underrated Tanea. Rated. Overrated or underrated? She's just rated. You know, like it's just a neutral. She's she's good at what she does. 
I don't think she's underrated and I don't think she's overrated. Yeah, I'm you think you think her popularity is about See, on, I could never play this game because I always think, oh, my God, these people, they're probably holding their tongues hell bad. Like they don't want to be like, next thing they're like, and Billie, Billie Eilish doesn't like Katy Perry. And then you've got the next yeah, Katy Perry saga happening, you know? Shit like, comes out of it. Yeah. I think that. So you're, you're a nice, democratic, uh, neutral. I'm very, I'm a Libra. I pride myself on uh, being balanced. <laughs> um, I, I did Musical see. Musical chakras aligned. I, yeah. I saw Rosalia at Primavera this year. She's a Spanish pop star and um, she's got a very soft, beautiful tone. And my Perth friend and I were both standing there and I was like, she's amazing. Like I heard her before I'd heard Billie Eilish and she's beautiful. And then she goes, she's just like the Spanish Billie Eilish. And I was like, you know what? You're right. Like, Has she got the SoundCloud rapper aesthetic? It's just... Like Billie um, Eilish? Because I feel like that's... It's, it's that whisper. It's that ASMR thing. Yeah. Where it's like right up in there. You know, yeah. like right there. Like, because a part of Billie Eilish's popularity is the, the, the cult of personality fame. and, you know, yeah. it's about, it's it's just as much about her as it is the music I almost feel. like in terms See, of I didn't see any of these See, videos, if we use you know? uses and gratifications theory, it would be connecting with the character mm. would be Billie Eilish's I heard that that's how she got famous, but I never saw any of that stuff. Oh, it just all of a sudden there was this famous person named Billie Eilish. But she'd actually like, been what? building up for years and, like, she had, like, an Instagram account and everything like that was going crazy how involved is her brother in actually making her music because i hear totally. a lot of talk about yeah he produces that's what it. i heard he produces all the tracks is that right or yeah yeah, yeah that's sure. right and she comes up with the lyrics, the lyrics and the melodies probably. so they're kind of like a they're sort of like a duo, duo. He's like he's it's like elton the and uh, elton and that guy who writes the lyrics except it's the other way around what's his who name? knows really though elton um John. Oh, i don't know Oh, yeah. <laughs> I feel no, like we're those obnoxious people who don't know what we're talking about, but casting vast opinions. Oh, no, I'm not projecting <laughs> opinion. No, I, I was just... Uh, Liam, uh, Billie Eilish, overrated, underrated. Uh, I don't know anything about Billie Eilish beyond the memes. Yeah. Beyond the memes? Yeah. I haven't seen any memes. Uh, that it, it's, a, it's been and gone now. Oh, but okay. yeah, there was like a, a whole fad where... Um, yeah. Yeah, she was just a, like a... It was like that video clip where they were riding tricycles down the road, and yeah, it was um, like that's a really lame guy. Name. But that's all—that's literally all I know. I've heard that one song, and I—I I heard that like she works, she clubs with her brother, but uh, her brother kind of just does stuff behind the scenes. That's literally all I know about I think her. What I really like about her is that she's like the anti, um, uh, like expectation of a woman. You know, like she's yeah, you know she's I a good d- role I model. I do dig that about her. She's a good role model. Like if I, I had so like. Like my little sister is nine and she loves her and she's not like twerking and she's not like showing all her flesh and you know people can do that if they want. But I'm really happy that my nine year old sister is not like, you know, going to dress like someone with all that kind of flesh exposed and would rather be like, yeah, I'm going to be a tomboy. Yeah. You know, you're allowed to do that. I really don't like her fashion. I'm not into that whole like hip hop thing, but she pulls it off really well. She pulls it off. Yeah. I I got Nothing against her. I, I, I actually, you know, the more I think about it, the more I think she is just rated. You know, she, <laughs> she's it's rated. proportional. You know, yeah, it's I think she's good. At, I like that. You know, at least it's not ghost producing where they try to, you know, say, oh yeah, this person wrote it. And like Ed Sheeran, uh, yeah. I believe he's kind of been, you know, the thing has been pointed at him for ghost producing. At least they're like, you know, upfront about it. And like, yeah, the brother does it. You know, it's not they're not trying to hide anything, and you know, they make it clear. No, it definitely hasn't. And the thing is, like, that production as well, it is so basic. You know that guy online who does... Seth Everman? He does, like, all the reviews. Like, nearly every day he'll put up, like, a review. Oh, Anthony Fantano. Yeah, and he did one where he broke down... um, Was it Bad Guy or was it another one? No, no, it was um, Bury a Friend, that um, that track that came out a few months back. I was watching that last night actually because I watched Tamer, a bit of Tame Paul's Glastonbury set and yeah. in the recommended was the the next one or the next in the playlist or whatever it was was Billie Eilish's set from the yeah. same day and um and yeah it was the Barrier Friend and I was I was like man that's such like a soft song like how can you hype a crowd up to it's that so good. but she managed to do it like she got really into it and she's like jumping up and down but yeah she's singing like this and you know it was very yeah. weird well they. 
he broke down. I think it was Bad Guy because it's a simpler song. He just broke it down. He was like, okay, the chord progression is like one, three, five. <laughs> like it's yeah. really easy. And the production is so minimal. Like it's just like, <laughs> but like somehow they've just nailed it. They've uh, absolutely nailed it. It's like the, uh, the Axis of Awesome song. You remember Axis of Awesome? They were like mid 2000s. Was is the that band like LMFAO? Was no, it, like it was it was kind of like a Do you remember Ronnie John's Half Hour? One of the guys on that was the singer of of The Axis of Awesome. And they were kind of just like a kind of parody kind of band like Tripod of Skit House and all that. Yeah. Um and they would they had a song called Four Chords and they the song was the song were used the same four chords and oh. was about how all all these massive songs used four chords and they yeah. would go through it was like a melody it's of that video like the 20 minute video that they just like fly through it yeah and yeah they just like play them on the spot yeah chord progression it's yeah it's just four it's a pentatonic thing yeah and you and you, yeah you can basically take the template and alter the key Move and it around, place yeah. it on a whole host of top 40 songs mm. and you'll find the exact same chord progression and it's been yeah. happening for years and years. Um, These four rhubarb employees figured out the secrets to pop music. Yeah. <laughs> Producers hate them. <laughs> yeah. I w- I've been wondering as well because like ASMR has opened up a whole can of worms. Yeah. And you wonder, well I've wondered anyway, how much AS- ASMR has kind of um, been utilised in like uh, like top 40 music. Like subtly though, like almost. Well, like you know what? It's really interesting because when I was recording Some Kinds, the guy who recorded it, Nick McKenzie, um, he when we were talking about the mic and what sound I wanted, I was like, oh, maybe we should get a, um, you know, one of those. Like a dampener <laughs> or something. Like maybe we should get one of those little, you know, the cushion that goes over the mic. The foam thing. Yeah, the foam uh, thing. <laughs> yeah, sure. That's, yeah, that's what they're called. Yeah, he oh, was. Well, I don't know. I'll yeah yeah the furry one he was like oh we should get one of those for the recording or do you want to do it with that and i was like well i guess we've got to do it with it right he was like well not necessarily it just depends what sound you want and then he was like if we do it without you'll get all the sounds of the mouth but that's really popular at the moment in pop music i was Mm. like really and i didn't get it and then like two years later after recording it it is like now i hear it everywhere and i'm like oh you can actually hear the movement of a mouth yeah. In recordings now. It's not like they're trying to hide that where they would go through and probably chop it on a, like not yeah. audacity. They'd do it on something a lot more complex, but they would like, <laughs> they would be like, and now I hear the mouth open or it's gone. Yeah. You know? I was talking about, yeah, I was talking about this with my girlfriend the other day was yeah. um, when uh, on albums where you can hear the fingers running up the strings of the guitar. Some people mm. love it. Some people hate I, it. I, and I've got a little bit of synesthesia where if I hear something brushing up against steel, I'll taste steel in my mouth. Oh, that's horrible. It's, it's awful. It's, it's, it's not good. <laughs> and um, one of the tracks that does it for me is uh, one of Blink-182's one. Um, I Miss miss You. Yeah. Is that the title of yeah, it? Yeah, it would be yeah, that song. You can hear the as they're playing it and moving up the, the um, neck of the guitar, you can hear the fingers running up the strings and it's... Yeah. It just triggers something in me and I just taste metal in my mouth. That happened when I was a kid. There was this song by TLC, I think. It was called um, So Beautiful or You're Beautiful. And um, they the, the version that was on Rage and all, was all over the place was the acoustic live version. And so there was a guy playing an acoustic and because of the nature of an acoustic, you could just like hear everything that was happening and... I I remember going to mum, mum, I don't like it. Why is that sound happening so much? And she was like, it's because he's playing a guitar. And I was like, no, but it doesn't sound like that on the other version of it. And I just didn't like it. I didn't like hearing the guitar making all of its like guitar sounds. It adds a bit of a a rhythmic quality as well. It's like another – Because the acoustics are very percussive and Mm -hmm. it's just like another element of like – of that like percussiveness, I guess. But yeah, I can uh, totally understand. It, it's it's kind of like it's not quite like nails on a chalkboard, but it's definitely one of those sounds that's quite piercing, and you can either get into it or not. There was actually a big moment where I had to decide whether this this little bit that happened on my electric guitar and a oh, song. Like feedback. Yeah, it wasn't even feedback. I was like, it was just like I clipped a string mm. in this song that's yet to come out. Um, and there was that moment with the producer. I was working with Dave Park, and and it was like okay, do we keep it or do we get rid of it? And I was like, oh, no, nah, get rid of it. Like, you can just, you can hear it once you've heard it once, you can't forget it. And he was like, oh, I really like it. Yeah. So I've kept it because I respect him. 
Mm. Um, and yeah, let's just see if, you know, my career goes downhill from here. <laughs> you, can, you can send me the web and I'll listen to it. If I taste metal in my mouth, I'll, uh, I'll let you know. I think you, can, like, you can take you that. Might, like um, your blood might boil. What was that? Your blood might boil. <laughs> it will literally just be like, it'll be like almost, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a... Um, subconscious kind of thing where like your it's your your creation and your song so you're going to be like listening for it and you're yeah, it, it just gives that much more it'll soul stick out as more well. to you yeah, yeah totally totally but somebody uh, else might not notice it at all yeah but well they might not notice it but it'll still affect their overall impression of the song yeah um but yeah i, I always you know i always love you know hearing things like that and and feedback in you know in music recordings and that just kind of adds a whole element of um, just realism, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly the reason why we kept it. Mm. That's why um, audiophiles spend so much on high-end cartridges, so they can hear all those little little details that you don't notice on a normal. So they can record. hear the low-quality leads yeah. that so they're plugging their the guitars the with. Drumstick tapping a little bit, like you know, on the rim of the. <laughs> Ringo's the, here. <laughs> yeah, or this that little breath that people take before they sing, and just those yeah. little details. Yeah, rather yeah. than I don't breathe ever, but I sing. <laughs> yeah. that, that, that classic YouTube viral video, Chocolate Rain, and the guy pulls his uh, yeah. mouth away from the mic and he puts the subtitle, I pull away from the mic to avoid uh, hearing, hearing me breathing. <laughs> or to breathe in or whatever he says. Yeah. Chocolate Rain. Uh, I was actually having this uh, conversation at RTR the other day when I was editing a video there with uh, Terry and Will was in the room as well, actually, I think. And we we're talking about this, and we we YouTubed him. He's still pumping out YouTube videos. Really? Yeah. I bet he's come a long way in like ten or twelve years. That it must be in that. Long yeah, something. It would have been like two thousand and eight or something like that. Yeah, at least ten. Yeah, I'm sure he's he's recorded a lot more gems. He kind of reminds me of that dude from uh, from Tim and Eric, the guy that Dylan <laughs> David Liebhart. Yeah, here he's got those kind of vibes. Like Dylan nearly uh, actually managed D to Dave Liebhart. David Liebhart. Yeah, 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 yeah. A friend of mine actually did a actually had him stay with him. Do you know who Dave Liebhart is? Maybe by face. He's like uh, this real he's a ventriloquist. I'm so bad with names. Yeah, he's a ventriloquist musician. Okay. Very eccentric. Have you ever guy. watched Tim and Eric? Awesome show. Great job. Mm. You know the the guy that does the songs and it's like usually like uh, it's kind of like a parody on like kids sing along songs and he's got like a weird puppet with him. Yeah, that guy. Aliens. Okay. He's got conspiracy theories. He's he ties alien his beliefs in aliens in with religion. He's, like a he's a high functioning crackpot basically. Yeah, that's the best way to describe it. But, but he's like got a um, like an amazing creative streak. Yeah, yeah, an amazing uh, and apparently a very big heart too. Yeah. He's very, very lovely guy. Apparently. I thought you yeah. said car. I was like, so? A car. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he drives a And apparently a very big car. Why? Why do I care about that? <laughs> Fit all the ventriloquist dummies in there, you know? <laughs> but yeah, um, a f yeah, a friend of mine did a, actually had him stay with him while he was uh, on tour in Australia and made a really cool like uh, YouTube documentary called Lieb Boobs. <laughs> uh, if anyone, if anyone, if anyone listening wants to, uh, I'll link open it up another window on the, on, YouTube the video, yeah. on the YouTube and have a have a look at that. It's he's really the good. Masters the rhubarb jam. Yeah, 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 yeah. Michael Graham. Michael yeah, there you so go. he's he's done the vinyl mastering for all of the rhubarb jams and also several of our album releases. So he's yeah, That's, very talented guy. Uh, so what that makes uh, two degrees of separate. Uh, Three, yeah, two degrees of separation between rhubarb and Tim and Eric Awesome Show. Yeah, that's, that's right. There you go. Oh, three, sorry. Three. Yeah. Cool. Two or three. One of the, one of the two or three. Is that claim to fame? Yep, exactly. How long has this podcast been going for? We're now clocked in at 49.30. Um, yeah, as I said before, a little industry secret. While we release weekly, we actually record fortnightly. Um, so we're just waiting on the next guest to rock up. So... Um, we should mention our sponsor while we're waiting. Yes. So, Dylan, I'll let you announce that. Uh, yeah. The, this podcast is sponsored by Billy Black's Barbering Experience. Uh, Billy Black's is right down the back of Rhubarb Records Vinyl Cafe. And, uh, yeah, he's sponsored <laughs> us. Gives a yeah, he gives a mean cut. He'll, a mean uh, cut. he'll fix your follicles, um, <laughs> lower your ears, and uh, chop your mops. Excellent. Um 
and yeah, give you a nice steam towel at the end. Yes. <laughs> we're we're also offering uh, sponsorship opportunities for the podcast too. So reach out if you if you want to. You yeah. know, associate your brand name with our ramblings. You two could have an announcement of that quality. Yeah. <laughs> for your brand. And we enjoy drinking beer during the podcast. So just... It <laughs> if there's uh, any... Oh, yeah, beer sponsors. Yep, beer sponsors. Cool. Anything else? No. Um, yeah, I think I think that's it. Very Another loosey-goosey episode. I think it was really cool. <laughs> Getting all the staff sitting down at once. Worked out in the mm. end. That so was actually that's the point. We this is the th- is we it, are. Is this the, the table? This well, Karen, is this Karen, is Karen, this is also. Oh, of course, uh, yeah, like yeah. A, Well, she doesn't work in the stores she, except for when we got events and stuff. But yeah, so an integral we'll part is of our events manager. Yeah, and we'll get Karen in on one uh, in on a podcast or something. Yeah, so. she she's got a lot of music knowledge. She's mm. she imparted a lot of her music wisdom on on me many a times. So mm. yeah, definitely. We'll have to work. Need on to record that. it. Yeah. Liam, have you got anything you want to say? Um, I hope everyone's enjoyed our staff meeting. (laughs) 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 Um, No, no, just... Next on the agenda. Sorry, Tanea, we don't have any hours Many logistics (laughs) dealt with. That's it. Um, No, it's just, yeah, pretty much looking forward to um, getting the next next guest on and... Who is the next guest? Uh, Luke Parrish. uh, So this will be an, an announcement for next week's podcast. So the next week's podcast is with... As Dylan just said, Luke Parrish from uh, Psychedelic Porn Crumpets. Oh, cool. And he's also just about to finish um, mixing his uh, solo album. But I'll let him talk about that and mm. I'll let that. Uh, I've heard it. It's really damn good. Um, but I don't want to say scenes. anything because I want people to come back next week. So, yes, that'll be the next episode, um, as Dr. Dre and Snoop like to say. <laughs> um, yeah, so we'll leave it there. I think uh, today, anything you want to say? What do you, what do you got to plug? Um, what's um, coming out? Any events? Any singles? Well, you did Bell's Rapids a is a band that I was in a few years ago, and we're going to have our AP coming out in about three weeks. Oh, excellent! Yeah, we is there recorded a some. Party? S- no, 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 no. Um, because we're just all in different parts of the world from each other, so we're just going to finally it put Spotify. it out there. Yeah, Spotify, Bandcamp. Um iTunes maybe not sure how keen I am on that. Yeah. And uh, RTR are going to premiere it, Woo. which is cool. So yeah, that's exciting, and because we've had the recordings for like two years, and really ah, just so very keen to push it on. Yeah. Sail off into the night. Yeah. So is Bell's Rapids still a thing, or is this kind of like a parting gift? To yeah, the world? this is like a parting gift, a hello goodbye. Yep. Um, and yeah, that'll be great because there are some songs, or at least one song on that EP that I adore, but was like just so gutted that I wasn't able to release and share. So this is like finally, oh, finally, one of my favourite songs I ever wrote, I get to put out. First single for my EP, it's called Crash Pad, will be out late August. Great. And then the second single will be out, I think, late September. And then the EP will drop at the very beginning of November. Awesome. Yes. All right, well, we'll wrap it up there. Thanks for listening. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Goodbye.